3: Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, this
0: is Ace Johnson from LA Guns, Young Cousins, Fast Cat. You're listening to The Hook Rocks the ultimate rock community podcast. Complete icons to listen
1: to rock and roll talk.
2: Hold back a subtle dream, Waking dawn. I'm just not the same me Since you came along. Cry a little deeper, Moonlight stays. Let's pass some time And drinking wine. Pain away, no. Mm-hmm. Watch that with a moon shine through the door. She sings a mystic song to me now on more. morn. Cry a little deeper, but moonlight fades. Dark nights and city lights, Wash me. Away.
0: Welcome back to the Hook Rocks. I'm your host, Jay Scott. Thank you all for tuning in and listening. I always do appreciate it. Uh, We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, the network of music podcasts. So please check out all the old and the new Hook Rocks podcast episodes on that platform, as well as any place you do podcasts, whether it's Apple, Spotify, any platform, we are on it. Please subscribe. Please like us on Facebook, Please follow us on Twitter. Write us a review if you are so inclined to do so. We always do appreciate the feedback. And also on Pantheon Podcast, you can check out my fellow podcasters like Mistress Carrie out on the East Coast, Carmen Apice, and Vinnie Apice with their Hanging and Banging podcast with local Chicago promoter Ron Anesti, as well as Shout Out Loudcast, Cobras in Fire, and Martin Popoff, The Rock Historian. So I know there's something for everyone on the Pantheon Podcast Network, so please do tune in and check out all the podcasts that uh, may interest you. And as well as please uh, check out some of our recent podcasts. We just did one on the, on the brand new, the new Guitar Heroes of This Generation as well as some great new music spotlights as well. Got some great episodes coming up, so hope you do enjoy. And we do have another awesome topic to discuss, an important topic to talk about because, you know, this is very important to myself, and we've talked about this before. I'd like to welcome in Lauren Monroe, and she is the wife of Def Leppard drummer Rick Allen, and we are going to be talking about the impact of mental health issues and addiction issues in the music industry, especially now that COVID is upon us again, and it's getting more and more uh, cases are increasing every day. And of course, we just went through the lockdown of 2020. And here to talk about all that uncertainty and how it impacted music and what she's doing, along with Rick, to help musicians in need, I'd like to welcome in Laura Monroe. How are you?
3: Hi Jay, I'm great.
0: Well, thank you very much for doing this. I do appreciate it. Um, we always do start the same way every time we have a first time guest, and even though um, you know we we are going to be talking about a very specific topic, I would like to ask you, just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan or music fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album a band or performance that hooked them on rock and roll, hooked them on music. What was it for you?
3: I don't remember the song, but I remember the moment I saw my first concert. I saw Tom Petty at the SAC, Saratoga Performing Arts Center in New York. And uh, when I saw him, I just everything in my brain just lit up. And I I wanted to do that. I wanted to write music and do that, match. A songwriter as a child, very young, but my first experience of Tom Petty and his writing and his music uh, inspired me.
0: Yeah, Tom Petty has the ability to connect with people from every demographic, from every generation, because what he writes about and how he really kind of understands the the human element is, you know, everyone, you know, connect with the lyrics because everyone's kind of doing the same thing and in the same boat, you know.
3: I feel the same. Yeah. And plus the cross genre appeal, you know, I, I, when you hear Mike Campbell talk about, you know, categorizing the band and he said, we weren't categorized. We couldn't, you know, rock or country or blues. We're, we're just music. We're everything. And I, I really relate to that. That the way I write doesn't fall into any, you know, any particular genre, but it, it's across the board. And I, I love that in an artist. It's very freeing to be able to write like that to Perform like that, and Tom did it. He did
0: everything. And your music, in itself, you know, is really, really connects with the topics that we're going to be talking about today, and the message that you have in your songs. Where is it? Where does that come from for you?
3: The inspiration.
0: The inspiration, you know, the the message that you like, you know, the song. I think it's big love that you have out and, and, the, and the single that you released, what was the, you know, where, where does that come from for you, the inspiration?
3: Well, for that particular song, um, you know, that came from a deep observation of what was going on in the in the world during the 2016 election, especially in America, where um, I think the, the ugly head of division, became, you know, rose up and we were able to really see how um, polarized we are as human beings. Um, and that conflict, uh, really was apparent. And uh, from my perspective, I really see that the only answer is, is being compassionate and, and digging into that deep place of love for humanity. And, uh, we didn't have that and we're continuing to grow in that area, I think worldwide. But that song is about that moment in time where there was so much going on, uh, to show us the shadow of humanity. And, uh, most of my songs really come from that perspective of looking from above, uh, from a higher place, and uh, looking at the shadow parts because we don't like to look in the shadow. It's uncomfortable. We don't like it. We'd rather distract ourselves. But when music brings it to us, it's an easier pill to swallow, and we're able to look a little deeper.
0: You mentioned you write through a lot of observation, you know, and a, a lot of people write through an idea, an observation, a personal experience. When you're writing through an observation, how do you tap into that subject that you're writing about?
3: Well, I'm an empath, uh, like a lot of musicians are. Um, I'm specifically a clairvoyant empath, so I, I use those skills. And um, I'm able to tap into different archetypes, different things. Um, a lot of people may not want to go to explore, but uh, I look at myself. And how I feel, and then uh, I'm able to just look at another human being and kind sort of uh, look at their energy and 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 be able to create images in my mind that leads me to write. It comes from images, and then melodies after that.
0: It also the way I look at it is, you know, writing about things like you do. It, there has to be a certain element of empathy because we, you know, we talked about division briefly here in the beginning, um, and especially last year, really kind of, I don't want to say lifted up divisions, but maybe exposed the divisions is probably the proper way to say it. And mm-hmm. and part of that division comes from the lack of someone putting themselves in someone else's shoes, right? And, and feeling what that other person is struggling with or dealing with.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think that's, you know that's definitely a missing piece um, of growth that we need to have as humans. I think the thing that leads us in the other direction of doing that, you can't do that for another person if you can't do it for yourself. And we don't accept ourselves. Most of us don't accept ourselves. We don't want to look to the ugly parts. We don't want to look at the wounded parts. We want to keep going. We want to cover things up, stuff it in the back and, um, and move on. And when we don't, we can't be tolerant and compassionate with ourselves. It's really, uh, it's a harder task to look at someone else and feel their wounds and their pain and and want to help them.
0: It's hard to be aware of someone else's feelings when you don't have the self-awareness yourself, you know, or, you know, like you said, you may be aware of it, but you maybe just don't want to deal with it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're all, we're taught in this country to, um, to just, you know, march on and don't deal with your feelings. It's changing now. But I think the old school and many of our parents, you know, have that attitude, just like, you know, pick yourself up, set yourself off. You don't don't need to talk about it. And I think that is an error because those feelings and emotions, especially as children, they get stored. They don't just go away. You know, they get stored in the body. first. Uh, They get stored in the subconscious. And the subconscious mind runs the show in our whole life. That's what's leading us in every true choice we make. It's not what the conscious mind does very small percent. The subconscious really is leading us unless we start doing work on what's underneath there and wanting to heal things. And I think that's where addictions come into. Um, yeah. From that trauma from early on in childhood and early adulthood. It, uh, it definitely plays
0: a part. And that whole idea of just dusting yourself off and marching on and not talking about it, you're more likely to repeat the acceptance of those actions, you know, coming at you or destructive, you know, behavior that maybe wasn't corrected or maybe you didn't talk about it like you should have and understood why you do those things. If you don't understand why things are happening to you or why you're doing things, you keep repeating it and it just keeps snowballing into things that are bigger and out of control.
3: Yeah. I think that's so common for all of us, you know, who have patterns of doing things that may be negative. We want to get ourselves out of it. Um, one of the things that I thought sure who wrote this quote, but it's, it really struck me and it says, what our parents say to us as children becomes the whispers of our inner voice. So we have to really take the time to, to like, remember what we felt when we were kids. What You know, it could be just one event that, that changes the course of who you become in your life because what was said to you or what you perceive an adult, um, you know, experience of you, that's your, that's who you think you are. And um, I just see time after time, I work with a lot of people in my healing practice and I see over and over again, the damage was done so young. And like you said, we don't really even know because we didn't address it. It was never addressed. We never had an adult to say, it's okay, I'm going through this with you. I know what happened and we're going to get through that. If you don't have an adult in your life when you're younger, That can do that for you and mirror that compassion, that mirror that it's okay to heal, I'm here for you. It's really hard to to grow up and learn those skills.
0: Is it harder for someone who is in the arts, whether it's music, performance, you know, acting or or whatever art that they choose, is it harder for them to deal with that struggle? Is it harder for them to deal with those whispers that you you mentioned? Because we did this discussion last year on this partnership with Princeton University and MIRA, the Survey of Musicians, um, Music Industry Research Association with Music Cares, about addiction and about mental health. Um, is it because maybe they don't have the resources? Is it because you know they're more apt to... Not deal with that sort of behavior when they were younger. What do you think that all comes in, and, and how they deal with that?
3: Well, of course, this is just my opinion, but I, um, in my experience of musicians, I, you know, we're more we're very sensitive people. We we communicate through an invisible language. We are able to um, use our intuition very differently than a lot of people and most musicians don't, aren't even aware of how they're using their intuition they just do it so natural and uh, because of these skills and heightened awarenesses we're also very deeply emotional on um, on various levels and we, we, hold, we we're able to receive information energetically and sometimes we don't know what to do with that it could be painful we don't know how to navigate it we don't know the world of energy medicine as musicians and I feel that's a, a doorway to heal for, for artists. Um, also, as, as musicians, sometimes we're very, compart- some people have these compartmentalized brains where they, you know, they, they compartmentalize things and they don't feel things as a whole. Um, that also can lead you down a path of being more isolated. So those are two different kind of, you know, musical archetypes that I've seen. And then you get the performance artist too, who has ego. You know, when we, we have this sense of ego and we don't want other people to know the underbelly, our sensitivities, our vulnerabilities. It's not like strong in the mind of a performer to be, to be weak or to be sensitive. You know, um, these are all kind of learned behaviors. I think we, we attach to ourselves along the way. What do you think?
0: I think it is. Well, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you say. I also think there's that vulnerability for an artist, that deals with the subject of of writing a lyric or painting on a canvas of what they're feeling, right? I mean they they have to tap into that emotion. Um a lot of artists who write music write about personal experience and not all that not all that personal experience is is good. So for some it's therapy, for for a lot of them it's therapy, but also through that experience, they're putting that subject out for the public to consume and public judges. And it's a very, it's a very vulnerable spot for an artist to be in, in that they're exposing themselves with all this emotion and all these experiences that they've lived through, or they've, you know, been witness to. And it's, it's that, I don't want to use the, I mean, I guess it is the right word that, the, the the fragile aspect of it is like oh my you know I'm I'm putting I I'm t- I'm tapping into these emotions and I'm putting it out there for people to witness and see and if that in itself becomes a struggle you know they're they're the you know, the the lack of self confidence then comes up you know and and they and they feel like oh my god you know I can't believe I did this or they they struggle with that aspect and. In that angle that they're they're portraying their their experiences with, and, and that is a very frightening moment for them.
3: It is. I totally get that. I really agree with that. It's very true. I think the way I personally circumnavigate those feelings, um, and and to a lot of what I do, is that I, I when you put music out, there, you create a song and you and you release it. You you know you have the intention, or I have the intention to create the highest good the highest feelings of of love and uh, out into the world and that's it and if someone wants to judge it they're not getting they're not getting the, the energy of that song they're not getting it and i have to just let it go and go it's going to do its work it has nothing to do with me just like when i give a healing session i don't it's not about me it's not about me at all it's about the energy that comes in and same thing with the song it's a gift i'm just a messenger i pull it in I release it out. It's not my song. It's a song that I was uh, called to to catch and to release for someone else's benefit. And then it just becomes energy. It's not like something I wrote that's mine. You know, it it, it takes away that responsibility or that feeling of being exposed because, you know, I'm just the uh, scribe.
0: It's interesting, too, because I have had that conversation with a lot of artists who do say what you just said. You know, once I write something, it's no longer mine. Um, It's now, you know, the people that are listening. Uh, That's a very important thing. And I think people who understand that are more, you know, are, are, are better equipped to handle you know, the judgment of a song or, or, or th- you know, or people being critics because everybody's a critic now in today's world, right? Everybody has to oh, yeah. comment yeah. on everything, whether it's, you know, has what has nothing to do with the song, whether it's the shoes they have on the way their hair is, you know, whatever it is, it's always, there always has yeah. to be something that someone has to poke at. And, you know, ne- I mean, it, there was always critics, but now, you know gone are the days where you just move on when you don't like something like if i don't like something i don't comment on it i just move on right i don't i don't feel the need yeah. to tell the whole world on a, on a social media platform which then you know especially artists who are still struggling to make it you know whatever their definition of making it is you know when they post their music that's you know that they've been working on and slaving over for Years and then someone comes by on Facebook or social media and says, eh, "It sucks," you know, or "Oh, you know this and that." I mean, it's a very sensitive spot for each individual to be in.
3: I agree. I do. It's it's not easy to put yourself out there in general, especially now. And that we, I think, the society in general has just uh, we've uh, welcomed, you know, we've given license to and permission to just be negative and. Um, horrible and i and i just i think you know the more of us that don't get uh fazed by it and that we keep moving forward with the message and lead with love and lead through our music um that will be the dominant frequency that will be the dominant energy and i just i just encourage everybody listening to do that and don't and don't even respond to those negative comments just block them and move on
0: And usually, as always the case, I learned at a very young age, too, that those who speak the loudest usually know the least. And, you know, when when you have someone always commenting on things, you know, because they feel the need to either troll somebody or, you know, bring the focus on them, they usually don't know what they're talking about in most cases, you know? I mean, usually people who are very confident in their craft or very confident in what they do don't feel the need to demean others and don't feel the need to put down other people.
3: I couldn't agree with you more.
0: When you look at the impact of COVID, especially, you know, the last 18 months, almost, I mean, it is, I mean, it's going on almost, uh, be two years in the late winter here and how it impacted musicians and artists. You guys have both, you and Rick have both done a lot of work with project resiliency, which is helping those in need, those that are struggling. What have you seen in your situation and your experience with musicians and artists that are struggling because of this?
3: Well, I think it's, you know, the people that I've been in touch with, uh, we've all somehow created a pathway to benefit from it. And that's by, you know, just learning a different instrument or you know learning how to collaborate you know online learning you know, playing outside like we, we during covid we just met outside and we're, we're like you know 10 feet away from each other and and played and um i i i didn't see in our inner circle uh the struggle i i know I, some people had got other jobs because they couldn't gig and you know they were they were they were able to just like switch and, and do more techie things to be able to, you know, create an income and others just went on unemployment. And I, it, it definitely took its toll, I think, mentally um, where people, you know, when you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, it's hard to like tread water and, and feel inspired. Uh, but the people that I knew that got through it the best were the ones that were writing and, Oh, I'm going to learn how to play mandolin, you know, or I'm going to just take the time to do this and that. And I got this other side job that I could do, or, you know, where they were just, um, really creative. Uh, On the other hand, the backstage professionals, the touring, uh, crews, and they really struggled a lot, um, uh, because they, they lost their family as well, you know, which a lot of these men and women, they, their whole life is on the road all the time. They jump from tour to tour. They don't even have, they have like a little apartment or some people I know had their stuff in storage. They didn't really have a house. (laughs) So it was a very big change for them.
0: When you think to how it plays into like mental health situations, whether it's depression or other things people deal with, you know, that usually leads to addiction. And, you know, when you have a lot of uncertainty and a lot of, um, situation with the with the pandemic that you know things are getting shut down you're not able to play your mind is idle your mind is out of focus you know because you don't know well it's focused but it's focused on what are you going to do what am I going to do how am I going to deal with this and that in itself can you know trigger different things in the mind you know you can pull someone back into depression it can also You know, deal with other issues that maybe are resurfacing that they maybe haven't dealt with in a long time. And then it leads for someone to find comfort and cope with, you know, self-medicating drugs and and becoming addicted. When a situation like that happens, what are the resources for people to go to, you know, especially musicians and artists?
3: Well, um, I know we did a fundraiser. We did a big love benefit concert, a streaming event in January of this year to benefit sweet relief and sweet relief is an organization that supports musicians through hard times. It may be, you know, financial, or if they need medical uh, bills paid. Uh, um, and now they've opened up this other area of supporting musicians and backstage professionals with mental health costs. Um, so they definitely are a resource for us helping you financially, um, to, to branch out and just have someone to talk to in psychotherapy, which is great. Um, but there's also other things, methods that, you know, I support and Rick supports and we, we help uh, facilitate in our nonprofit, Project Resiliency, is the, um, complementary therapies they call CAM, uh, complementary alternative medicine. And that can really help. Uh, and under that umbrella is acupuncture, acupressure, meditation, mindfulness. Um, you can also bring in yoga into that area. And um, there's a lot of healing touch, uh, you know, body therapies, um, healing touch, um, therapeutic touch, chakra healing, um, Reiki. Those types of um, modalities can, can help. And another avenue is Nature. Um, I talk about this a lot. Just being out in nature changes your 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 body frequency, your biofield. Um, the dominant frequency of nature is is very powerful. Like when you sit by the ocean or you sit in a forest, you, you'll start to change. Your brain actually starts to change. Your respiration changes. Your heart rate changes. Um, so you're able to create this change just by being outside. So having some tools in your tool bag, um, learning. Know how to breathe uh, when in states of anxiety. Learning about meditation on um, so many different ways you can meditate. You don't just sit in ohm with your legs crossed like that. You don't. That's just one type. You can meditate while you walk. You can meditate while you're doing the dishes. You just have to have the intention around it and and have the focus.
0: I agree with what you say. I a few years ago I was going to a chiropractor. I was recommended to go in this chiropractor and. I don't know. It just wasn't working for me. And it just like I'd feel good for like about a day and then I'd have the same issue again. And I was recommended to do this thing called Thai body work, which most people yeah. know it as uh lazy man yoga, basically. It's a, it's a yoga massage. And yeah. I tried it and it was amazing. It was very therapeutic and not just, you know, physically, but also mentally, because if the person does it correctly, the person that's giving you the massage does it correctly. You like drift off into this other place and they call it like a tie high where you feel like this, this different feeling as you're, you know, as you're, you know, releasing uh, tension and releasing, you know, the, the tightness in your muscles. And it really is an amazing experience. Whereas I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying anything negative towards, you know, someone who goes to a chiropractor, that's their, you know, that's what they want to do. That's their, that's their wish, you know, to each their own. But my experience with Thai body work was more of a spiritual situation, a, yeah. a, a more of a spiritual experience than, than chiropractor, you know, you know, adjusting me. Uh, I found it was amazing. And so I, to speak to what you talk about, I do agree with that.
3: Yeah, I think that anytime you can find something that you're addressing the whole, your whole person, you know, your soul your your feelings, the things that are underneath. A lot of times, you know, the body just it tells a story of what's going on inside of us. Um, you know, long before, if if it's an emotional issue, like you have, long before you have that neck issue, um, you know, this stuff's going on, you're dealing with stress, you're you're internalizing everything, and then finally, your body's like, oh, you know, I need you to pay attention. So your neck will start flaring up, or wherever you have a weakness, you know, from that uh, internal emotional stress. Or, to be very subconscious to what's going on inside of you. Um, you often hear people like when you're moving, you know, having your moving from a home, getting ready to leave a job, stuff starts happening physically. And so anything you can find that's going to address the whole person is great. And I think that Thai massage, you're able to really, you're given the space in a situation like that to really access some of the emotions, but not consciously with them, the way they open, the way they stretch you the way you're led to breathe, the music that they play, all this holistic approach to release.
0: When you think of what you're speaking about and what you have experienced, how did you, where did you find the interest in, you know, pursuing these things?
3: Well, I I have always been on this path. I My parents are, although, you know, I come from an Italian Catholic family from New York. Very traditional but at the same time my parents were like it was the 70s and they were really curious about things and they were looking into meditation so when I was five they showed me how to meditate um, and then I was a pathetic dreamer when I was little i uh, I would see you know dead people um I was a medium I didn't know it um, so I, all these experiences and the healing experiences that I have when I was little led me to really researching what this was because I didn't really fit in at all. Um, And so uh, I just was led to find teachers to help me explain who I was and what I was experiencing because I didn't really believe that, oh, that's all hippie, you know, the hippie crap, you know, that what you would get in Queens where I grew up with Italian people, you know, like they just didn't get it and it didn't fall under Catholicism. So I really had to figure it out. And so I, I've always been led to first validate what I feel inside and know that what I'm feeling is not crazy. And the more I looked and I found scientific evidence and philosophical evidence and, you know, um, around who I was, I was able to continue it and grow.
0: What's noticeable about a holistic healing and finding and accepting, you know, yourself is there's really no defined way, right? It's not like the same for everybody. Everybody is very different and everybody has different things that help them with their mind and with their struggles and with any addictions that they have. So to kind of blanket someone or blanket an experience is, well, if you do this, this, and this, you'll be fine. Or if you do this, because everyone is different. Everybody responds differently to you know, specific things. And you know, when we talk about mental health issues and we talk about addiction, um, because people that are part of the arts are so, I, I use the word different not in terms of, of just like who they are, but perspective. They have a different perspective on things um, and they tap into emotions differently. And when mm-hmm. you're trying to find a healing aspect for someone who is struggling with things, that can be difficult in itself to find that right combination, that right type of healing process for them.
3: Yeah. Everyone has their own formula. Um, and everyone, like you said, has their own filters of how we see the world built upon our childhood, how we see things depends on how we were raised, all the attitudes and beliefs that we we have conditioned into us, Um, we start from there. And and with every person I work with, I think it's it's really just finding that place where the person feels the most calm and peace. And for one person, it could be just lying down listening to music. Another person, it could be a walk on the beach. Um, Someone may not want to be alone at all, and they don't feel peaceful alone. They need to be around people. Well, that person may want to start in a group where they're doing some meditation, or uh, another person just wants to be really active. So exercise might, might be the best way, and and listening to some affirmations or changing their diet to start. Everyone will have a different starting place, but the destination is the destination is the same, and that's to be very balanced in your mind and your emotions and your body, so that and very aware, so you can tell when you're shifting and changing into a place that's a negative pattern
0: in your opinion what needs to be done to help people more whether it's with PTSD whether it's with addictions whether it's with mental health issues what do you think needs to be happened to help people with outreach to with communication with you know knowing where to go if they do need help
3: that's a very big question um, I think that the long-term solution is educating educating our children. Um, I think the immediate solution is, is, is bringing the the very the enormous topic of trauma that is in our world to the forefront and looking how to treat it. Um, we don't know. We don't know enough about what the mind is capable of and how it really, in the end, can dis- destroys us and its ability to completely regenerate uh, us as human beings physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, so I don't have a, like a, 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 you know, a set of answers for that. Um, I think it has to be a constant um, goal that we all go after to educate ourselves and other people. And I, you know, I'm always, I work with veterans um, uh, and, uh I, I love the model that we work uh, We work with veterans, healing veterans, as and the Veteran Transitional Center up in Northern California. And one of the things that I think is so powerful about what they're doing and what we've, we've loved to do um, in other groups is when you teach someone how to heal and they heal, they go out and, and show someone else how to do it. So this responsibility that we have as a community, that we're struggling and we find a way, then let's lend their hand out to the next person and teach them how to do it so they can teach someone else. And that's the way it's going to be. That's the way it needs to be for us to really make impact. It's not, you know, we made it, I did it. And then that's the end. No, you did it. Now help someone else.
0: There's also a a public perception too. You know I mean? Whenever we talk about homelessness in this country, right? We always, the first thing a lot of people go to is laziness and they just want to, you know you know live off the government or whatever but in in essence a lot of it is because of addictions and because of mental health issues and you know that perception needs to change and we have more understanding as to why these people have not they haven't chosen to be homeless but they they've ended up there and because of wherever their life has led them to that situation and we We always you know want to fix homelessness, but we don't want to put the money into it. We don't want our taxes to be raised i don't they don't want the money for this to go go to that I mean, for instance near my near my home, we had a mental health facility that was going to treat people with mental health issues and addictions and the town that this was going to be put in, the people started to protest against it like they didn't want that in their in their town in their township yeah. and it's, it's, it was crazy because, you know, it didn't mean, you know, because people are getting treated with, with mental health or addiction issues doesn't mean that the crime rate is suddenly going to soar in that area. It's probably going to remain the same or close to it. Um, but this is a great way for people to get treatment and to be better and to be, you know, active members of society and not be self-destructive. And it's that perception that I alluded to at the beginning of this question or beginning of this statement. Yeah, you know, is is why why are we hanging on to these things that have been proven to be untrue? Yet we don't want to do anything. We don't want to throw any money at it to fix the problem.
3: I think it's the same as what we were talking about earlier: is that if you don't have a if you don't, can't have compassion for yourself, how are you going to have compassion for somebody else? I remember watching this documentary a long, long time ago, and I remember that uh you know, I grew up with very but with um with my grandparents and they they're beautiful people but I remember my grandfather the same thing, Oh, that guy is a bum. He just doesn't wanna you know, he doesn't wanna work for a living, you know. And so that's in the was in the back of my mind. But as a empath, as a child when I see somebody homeless, I remember the first time I grew up in New York, the first time I was in the city. I grew up in Queens and I was walking with my family and I saw this person laying on the street and people were walking by I wept I cried as a little girl Like I didn't understand, especially as a Catholic little girl going, you know, wait a second aren't we supposed to be like Jesus? You know, like what's happening? And um, it was just so weird to me, but it was that idea that you talk about and I saw this documentary as a young adult and it interviewed this homeless man and he was describing, you know, his life and he had a job and a family and how things went wrong and found himself in his car and then he found himself without a car and he was on the streets and he always was able to manage to get food but then like there was like this downtime and it was like a week and he had his and he was starting to go crazy. And it was that moment he vividly described when he the first time he went through a garbage can and took food. He said at that moment I became inhuman. I just became an animal. I just became something else. And the way he did it was so touching. I'm getting, I'm getting chills just talking about it. It changed me forever. It just changed me because I I will never, ever think someone is being lazy and just doesn't want to work. Um, maybe there's people out there that do that. But um, there was. he also addressed, you know, when someone, you know, uh, is afraid to give a homeless person money and they're saying, well, they're just going to buy drugs. They're just going to buy, you know, alcohol. I'm not going to give them that. Think about this. You know how cold it is outside? You know how scary it is outside? That it's the only way some of us could even just go to sleep at night without worrying to be we're going to be attacked or our stuff is going to be stolen is if we're drunk. It's it's terrifying. So I changed my mind too. I was like, you know what? If you need a drink here, it's okay.
0: I always find when someone I see, when I see a comment on social media about, you know, an area where homeless people are, you know, begging for money at, you know, a a stoplight, an intersection, and they make the comment, well, did you see the shoes? They got, you know, brand new pair of shoes. They got a brand new backpack. And I always say, or I always think, well, what if someone gave them those shoes? What if someone gave them that backpack? They, they didn't go to a store. Do you really think that someone is standing at an intersection with a cup so they can buy shoes? They, they, they want to stand there all day in the elements and rain and, you know, the heat, the snow for that? I mean, that's such a narrow-minded way of thinking that more than likely it was probably someone who had seen this individual for a few days and maybe asked them, you know, what size shoe or saw that their backpack had holes in it. And instead of maybe giving them money, gave them that, you know, for, yeah. for them. I mean, it's always, it's the perspective of the individual that I always find, you know, interesting how they perceive things and how they want to, you know, basically they want they, 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 instead of them feeling bad about it, they want to justify why they shouldn't feel bad about it where, you know, right. and, and I that, think that yeah,
3: I think that's what a lot of uh, people will do to justify why they shouldn't be involved, why they shouldn't care. Um, and I, I have a lot of faith in our new generation of millennials, um, you know, and, and how they are speaking out around injustices and how they feel we should treat one another. And I'm, I'm hoping that generations to come will be able to have more empathy. And have a more emotional intelligence so that's what it is it's emotional intelligence that we are, we're lacking
0: and it is uncomfortable for the generations that have are from the past basically you know the, the the generations where their prime time has moved on right i mean when you talk to elderly people or you know people our age you know they're they're set in their way of thinking because that's what they've been taught or that's what they've you know, been been told that's why, and now you have younger generations coming that want to be more empathetic, that want to be more understanding. You know, and 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 you know, why does you know? You always hear people are so offended by this and so offended by that. I don't know if it's so much being offended by it; it's it no, it's no longer accepted by people, right? It's not just roll your eyes and keep walking. It's, hey, you can't say that to people or you can't treat people like that anymore. And it's uncomfortable yeah. for the people that have been treating people like that for decades. They don't like that. They don't like being told that what they're doing is not right. And you know they should be more empathetic to those that are wanting change and wanting things to be different. Yeah, I feel
3: like there's always, in a, in a movement of change, there's like a pendulum that swings you know, and now we're 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 approaching that far side, um, and then it'll come back down the middle. But it'll take some generations to be balanced. You know, we're 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 taking the far swing now, and we're not even there yet. Um, and then, as we progress as humans, I I hope that we're able to to, to change and shift. I, there's many topics we could talk about that I care about, um, where we need a lot of growth. But I feel like as artists and musicians, um, like for me, we can put all of this, all of these feelings into our music and share it and release it and, and create change uh, because people are listening. People are listening to the music and they're we're affected by music that we listen to. Um, and uh, I just I hope there's more artists putting real positive things out
0: there. As we end the conversation, what are some resources that you feel Someone in need, someone that needs help, should go to.
3: Well, um, I, mean, I don't have the phone number right next to me, but the suicide prevention hotline. People are always there. Um, you never have to say who you are. You never give confidential information. They're there just to talk, and um, it saves lives. Also, uh, having a um, having a crisis. Response plan. If you're someone who's feeling out of control, it's really important to do that, and um, it's just a series of things you just have in your back pocket: who to call, what to do, where to go. Um, you know, all those things. We do that with our veterans. It's really important. Let's do it your firearm when you're when you're feeling you're you're out of control, and you might or you're getting drunk too much, or you're you, you might make a bad choice. Um, Having that backup support, that one person that you're going to call, that uh, advocate, uh, sponsor, um, and and not isolate. Um, I, I always recommend, you know, reaching out, having that in my back pocket all the time.
0: Is there, you know, for you know, musicians, you know, because that's predominantly my audience, you know, is there, you know, resources where they can get maybe financial aid or, you know, help in terms of you know talking to someone on a regular basis is there anything that they can reach out to or look for um, if they're feeling like they need to talk to somebody
3: Well I know uh, I know Sweet Relief does have financial endowments for uh, for musicians So sweetrelief.org is a place you can go for that and then um, locally as far as your um, own local area, um, there's a lot of uh, clinics um, where there's very low charges. Like if you go to a university, um, you'll have people in their PhD and master's programs that are studying psychology, they're on their higher end, they're ready to graduate, and they have to do some counseling. You get, uh, as far as being able to afford a counselor, um, you could get some really good people in those. I remember I did that when I was. Uh, younger, and I didn't really have the money to pay for a therapist, but I needed to talk to somebody for for PTSD, and I didn't even know I had it. And I, when I went to the therapist, she's like, "You have PTSD." I'm like, "Oh, what's that?" And that was my first uh, learning about it because I had it and didn't know. Um, so uh, you can find really good people that are just getting their ma- their license, and, and they have to they have to do a certain amount of hours um, through university uh, clinics.
0: And as far as, you know, you and your organizations that you are a part of, I know you just, you know, recently did work with, you know, PTSD awareness. Uh, I know you did your live stream show uh, for the Project Resiliency in January. Is there anything coming up that you guys, you and Rick, are doing?
3: Um, We're doing a festival. It's it's not related to a charity. Uh, We're doing a festival event up in Northern California called the West End Festival. And it's, uh, it's whole theme is around healing through the arts. Um, I'll be uh, playing there, uh, with Rick August 28th to Saturday. Uh, it's in Seaside, California. And we start at four o'clock. And then I'm doing something with, with Rick. It has this, uh, project called, uh, with DJ Robbie. Uh, Robbie and Rick, they do this really cool 80s rock mashup. Um, and uh, they're performing at Fleet Week in Los Angeles, and I'm going to be uh, playing percussion with them uh, September 4th. Uh, I'm not sure of the showtime. I think it's four o'clock as well. And um, it's outdoors. It's free. Um, they Fleet Week is all about celebrating uh, the the military and the Navy, um, all, the Naval Academy and the Navy officers that are there. All the boats are there. All the aircraft carriers are there to tour and there's a lot of music and food and we're going to be going to support that and play and we'll be doing a drum circle on the the battleship uh, for uh active navy officers
0: it's awesome
3: yeah yeah so that's our next couple of things going on we have lots of things happening in the year to come of course but we'd love to see anybody if they want to come see
0: us that's awesome, Lauren. I, I, that, everything uh, that sounds that you're doing is great and much appreciated. So, thank you for coming on and talking about all these things and having this discussion.
3: I, it's, it's been my pleasure, Jay.
0: We'll have to do it again. You know, anytime you want to promote something or you know talk about things, please, you know, always feel free to contact me.
3: Great. Well, it's September is Suicide Prevention Month, and I'm going to be doing a lot then. So maybe we'll talk.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Once again, everybody, that's Lauren Monroe. And you can check out all her, well, you can check out the website at uh, project.resiliency.org. A lot of information about what she's doing and what programs or what uh, events that she's having, I should say. Um, I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Take care. Stay strong. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And we will talk again soon. Thank you.
2: And the Try to wake Making the